0: Hey, I want to take a couple of minutes and um, tell you how excited I am about we are looking forward to the day we get together again. Um, This room has been empty uh, of people for uh, obviously several months now, and I'm excited at least now we got chairs, and it is a sign that we're getting ready for that day that we get to get together again. Um, In fact, we are looking at the first Sunday in June. June the 7th, so just a couple of weeks away. That's our target date as an opportunity to regather. Now, I want to be clear. Um, We have people at Heart of Life who are still at every color on on that, on on red, yellow, green. We still have people who are at each color. And we are not trying to push you beyond where you feel that you need to be. But we do feel like that it's time for those who are at the green that we can take that next step. And so June the 7th is the target date. We're looking at two services, 9 and 11. Those are both going to be at, at, at this location. And the reason we're choosing this location is, is because it gives us the most space in order to be able to spread out. And it's also where we have the equipment so that we're able to um, go live. We're able to continue to, to share this. And so both of those services will be live, both the 9 and the 11. But we want to invite you to be a part of that. Now, it is a very calculated system that we're going to introduce to you. And over this next week, we're going to start to send some videos, send some information out, what that needs to look like. We're going to need you to let us know if you're coming. Because we really only need to have so many people in this room. We don't need everybody to show up for just one time slot. So that information's not going anywhere else. That's just so that we can understand and know how many to expect um, at each spot. People will be six feet apart. We're going to practice social distancing. We're going to go further than really whatever is being recommended. So even this week, we know when it comes to our state, it may be some different guidelines are going to be given. Well, regardless of those guidelines, we're going to try to be even safer than we're required. So for those of you who may be a little further back, right, you're not all the way to green, we want to go as far as we can that you feel comfortable when you feel it, that you could be a part of this celebration So, here's what I'm asking you. Before you decide what you're going to do, whether it's to be here or not, before you decide, will you give us this week to send the information to you, you process the information, then you make your decision. And before you form an opinion of what we're doing, and before you voice that opinion, will you at least give us this week to send you the information, and then together, Uh, we can try to do this the very best that we can. All right? Here's what we're talking about today. We have a way of thinking that God is good, especially when our circumstances are good. That's just how we think. And we think, I can have joy when my circumstances are good. That makes sense. But today we're going to ask the question, what if? What if... Even when circumstances are not good, what if God's still good? And what if even when the circumstances are not good, I could still have joy? If that were possible, wouldn't you want to know it? Well, you're here on the right day, and I'm really glad that you chose to be a part Lord, you tell us in the scripture that there is no greater picture of love than for a person to willingly lay down their life for another. God, and that means that on this weekend, God, this holiday, God it is difficult to put into words it is it is hard to get our head around God how much love God we thank you for a time that people can get together families gather people celebrate they enjoy and yet God I ask that in in somewhere in this whole weekend's festivities that you would call our heart back to realize how grateful We should be. For all those who have gone before us, God, who have laid down their lives that we might experience the freedom that we have in this country. God, thank you. We thank you for their lives. God, we thank you for those of our military who today, all over the world, God, are serving with that same heart. God, a willingness to put themselves in the places that they are at at this very moment that we might be free. God, we certainly ask for safety for them. But God, we pray most that throughout all the branches of our military, God, that there might be a continual spread of your good news that they might know. God, the heart they have for this country, God, it is your heart for them that you gave your life for us all. So, God, we ask your blessing on them. We thank you for what we can celebrate on this weekend. We thank you for freedom and for those who paid the price to make it possible. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray it. Amen and amen. Hey, I don't know if you heard me at the beginning, so I'm just going to repeat for, for uh, that case, for that sake. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors at Heart of Life, and I thank you for choosing to be a part of this celebration with us today. You know, one of the funnier names of all the prophets of God mentioned in Scripture is the name Habakkuk. It's a weird name. Now, when you hear it, you, a lot of people are like, well, how do, you, how do you actually pronounce that? You, you heard me. I, I grew up pronouncing it Habakkuk. I know tons of other people who, who pronounce it uh, Habakkuk, all right? I, the best in terms of the Hebrew of how I, I think it's supposed to be pronounced, and, and you kind of got to get some of that ha, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. The best way to remember it, every family have a kook, right? Some families have lots of kooks is the way I say it, but that's the way that I, I tend to remember it. Well, prophets typically, they are chosen to speak God's word to the people. God tells them something, they relay it to the people. Sometimes what God tells them is something that is yet to happen. Well, Habakkuk has just learned that the empire of Babylon is about to come in and crush his country, and this is a part of what Habakkuk sees. Check out chapter 3, verse 17. Here's how it reads. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. What we've got here, a list of, of six things that, that describe they, they represent survival, that this is about food, this is about wealth, the fact that none of it is present. Habakkuk is saying this is complete economic disaster. I think of Europe right after World War II. Not only were millions killed in the violence, but then millions died of starvation in the winter immediately afterwards. It's that kind of setting, utter social Disaster, the kind of circumstances that cause us to start to question the goodness of God. I mean, if if that's your setting, you're starting to say, God, what are you doing? God, why did you let this happen? God, where are you? You start to question the goodness of God because the circumstances are not good, and joy becomes as scarce as the food. But watch what Habakkuk says next, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Uh, okay, I, I, I don't think that's exactly what, what we expected. I mean, no, no, no figs, no olives, no, no crops, no, no sheep, n- nothing. That's not what we expected. But here's what Habakkuk is challenging in our thinking. We tend to think God is good when circumstances are good. That's when we tend to declare it the most. We tend to think I have joy when circumstances are good. But Habakkuk is challenging that, and here's what he's challenging. When the circumstances are not good, God's still good. When the circumstances are not good, I can still have joy. In other words, what if the circumstances are not even a part of the equation as to whether God is good and whether or not I can have joy? What if God's goodness is not dependent on good circumstances? What if my joy is not dependent on good circumstances? And I wonder if God's goodness and my joy are connected. The year was 1851. An English missionary by the name of Alan Gardner was shipwrecked with a number of other people on a little remote uninhabited island off the southern tip of South America. And Gardner watched as one by one The others who were stranded there with him each died. Gardner, though, kept a journal, a journal that was discovered right next to his body, and this was the final journal entry dated the very time of his death. He quoted Psalm chapter 34 that reads this way, "'The lions may grow weak and hungry,' But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Hmm. Now come on, here's a man dying of starvation, dying of injury, dying far from home. His body is broken, his hopes are dashed. And yet along with that psalm, this is what he wrote in his journal. I am overwhelmed with a sense of of the goodness of God. Would you agree with me that if that's true, like if that really happened to a man, Deserted on an island, watching those who are with him die. If that is true, overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God in those circumstances, if that's possible, then it is possible for most all of us to find God's goodness and therefore find joy in whatever circumstances we're in. I get it. You're frustrated. I'm hearing it more and more from people. We are frustrated, right? Because we still can't gather like normal. We, we still can't have events like normal. We, we still can't be entertained like normal. We can't operate our businesses like normal. We can't travel like normal. We can't stock up toilet paper like normal. We can't buy every cut of meat right in the grocery store like normal. I, I have watched over the last several weeks I have observed people complaining in in the grocery store that that I would go into uh, at times you, you were limited to two packages of meat two now some of those packages of meat were 10 pounds of meat you buy two of those you walk out of the grocery store with 20 pounds of meat and you know what I heard people complain complain Because we could only go home with 20 pounds of meat when we go to the grocery store. Truth of the matter is, you could come back tomorrow and buy 20 more pounds of meat. Truth of the matter is, you could actually take the meat to your car, come back into the grocery store, buy another 20 pounds. There was nobody policing right how many times you could come in. I'm just saying for me, that's one of those microcosms that just makes we want to shout, we need some perspective. We need some perspective of how much we still have. But the point is, even if there was no meat on the shelves, which was Gardner's story, if he could be joyful then, then I bet it's possible for us. That's what Habakkuk actually unpacks for us today. So, let me show you. Let me show you what he says. Let's go back to verse 18, and this is what we got to see first. Here's what he says, I will rejoice. Did you catch it? I will rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Here's one of the things that you need to know. Joy doesn't choose you. You choose joy. Habakkuk doesn't say, hey, I, suddenly I just, it just hit me out of nowhere. He, he doesn't say, suddenly I felt this. No, he says, I will. Joy involves a decision of the will. However, joy is not just simply the power of positive thinking. Joy is not simply right, the, 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 the power of self-help. No, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. In other words, your joy in all circumstances really is tied to your God in all circumstances who is always good. This is something supernatural. So, to help you remember it, today's image is a rope. I hope that, as you process this and God can teach us something today, just you know every time you see some sort of rope, maybe this will be one of those things that that at times God helps you to remember. What we know is that in the in the old prairie days in in storms, snowstorms, blizzards, it was not unusual for farmers to do what's called put a rope up and what they meant by that was when they're leaving the house in the morning snowstorm blizzard taking place they would stretch a rope from their house all the way to let's say the barn the purpose being at the end of the day when the chores are done They simply would take hold of the rope and walk the rope back home. Instead of just wandering around in the blizzard, suddenly realizes they thought they were walking a straight line, but actually they've wandered off, right? No, that they could hold the rope. That's the image that I want you to see that, that Habakkuk is giving us today. He's saying, look, it's possible to hold on to joy even in the midst of whatever calamity that you're going through. It is possible to maintain a sense of equilibrium and stability even when you are plagued by uncertainty, although you are dizzied and you are disoriented by the disaster, you you are lost and you are confused in the chaos, you can put the rope up so that in seasons of fruitfulness or fruitlessness, times of suffering, COVID-19, Economic downturns, stocks crash, friendships dry, wombs barren, marriages struggle, plans changing. Habakkuk says, not only can you endure it, but you can make it back home with joy. In such a way that the world says, there's no way. There's no way. Habakkuk says there's a way. There are sections of this rope. Here's the first section of the rope. Just look at 18 again. There's so much in this one little verse. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. If you're like me, the first thing I notice about that verse is it says the same thing twice. He he just he just says it twice in the same breath. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. All he's doing here is simply repeating. And I want you to understand repeating as the as one section of the rope. If you're going to experience joy, now repeating is not something crazy in Scripture. You open the Bible, first two chapters of Genesis, God chooses to repeat part of the creation story. When he he speaks to Joseph, he doesn't just speak to Joseph in a dream, he will give him two dreams. When God warns Pharaoh about what's going to happen if he doesn't let his people go, he doesn't just communicate one dream, he communicates two dreams. You turn to the New Testament, Jesus doesn't just feed 5,000, he turns around at a later time and feeds 4,000. I mean, how about the fact that there are actually four gospels that repeat the stories of Jesus? One British Bible commentator, his name is Michael Wilcock, he puts it like this. He says, God teaches us by this method of repetition through scripture with good reason, The human mind is incurably centrifugal. Forever flying off in a tangent, it must be brought back to the great truths of the gospel over and over. Our minds must be made literally to concentrate. And I wrote it like this on purpose today because... At the center is the center. It is the purpose of concentrate. It is to bring you constantly back to the center. Just like the earth, we need that gravitational pull that keeps us from flying off the face of the planet. So God's repetition in scripture is meant to drill it down into our hearts, that when we suddenly find ourselves in the blizzard, we suddenly find ourselves in circumstances that are not good. In that vortex, we don't spiral out of control, but gravity keeps pulling us closer and closer to the center. And God does that with repetition. Repetition is about retention. And I don't mean retention just so that you can impress people with the facts and the figures that you know from Scripture. No, it is so that when you find yourself in the fight and suddenly you are cut by life's circumstances, you bleed truth. Truth. And you bleed God's love because God has repetitively told you over and over and over and over, you got it. As this is why we read scripture on a regular basis, this is why we meditate on it. it, it it's, it's like a day like today. I, I would bet that most of you who are, who are, who are watching, Probably very few of you have ever done an extensive study in the book of Habakkuk. I bet not a lot of time spent in Habakkuk chapter three. Well, you know what? This week, God did something cool for you. God gave one of us the opportunity to be able to study and to work through Habakkuk chapter three so that I could stand in front of you today and I could go, hey, here's what God's word has to say and I'm gonna help you understand a little more of what he has to say. Now the question becomes, what do you do with that? Do you then take what God gave you today and then you're gonna like perhaps study through it a little more this week? Maybe you're gonna have a conversation with a friend about something something that that challenges your mind and your heart today, maybe in your life team. See, that's the reason we often challenge our our life teams to gather in the week and take the questions that we form out of the talks that we do on Sunday because it gives you a chance to repeat. You walk back through it. You, You talk about how do we actually apply this to our lives and every time it's repeated, it goes a little deeper, it goes a little deeper. It is this discipline of repeating. It is a section of the rope that is required for choosing joy. And the second section of the rope builds off of it. Because not only does Habakkuk teach us about repeating, but he teaches us about remembering. If you read Habakkuk chapter three, which some of you actually are because you're reading through the story of God together with us, you realize that Chapter three is mostly remembering the Exodus, as in what we read in Exodus. That, what a remarkable story. You've got God's people who are enslaved in Egypt, and, and then they are set free because of God's power, right, that he unleashes through a series of plagues, and then, and then moments where he stands the water up as walls so they could walk across on dry land. And they did nothing to earn God's favor in that. They did nothing to earn their salvation. They did nothing to earn the attention or the affection of God that he so freely offered. What a story. What a God. It's through Habakkuk remembering the Exodus that he comes to this conclusion in chapter 3. Even when life is barren and fruitless. Even when life looks bankrupt and hopeless, even when things look as bleak as they can be, I choose joy in God, my Savior. Because as I remember God's saving work in the past, I see. In the present, he is sufficient to save now. Habakkuk is taking what he knows and he's preaching it back to himself. And I've shown you before how David does the same thing at times in the Psalms, right? We, we've talked about before how so many of us, I think, we, we, we just take what comes, we listen to ourselves but not often enough are we intentional about talking to ourselves. It it was Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones who said, think about many of you when you wake up in the morning there are thoughts that flood your heart. And a lot of times the thoughts that flood your heart are about the problems of yesterday. And he says, look, there are moments that you got to stop. You got to say, time out. Let me talk for a minute. And you actually have to talk to yourself about something solid like the God who saves. Maybe to help you get it, we we could just actually look at the word remember a little differently than maybe we normally do. It is to remember. And I get that this is a little bit gross, but You think about maybe a finger that you lose, all right? It is a member of your body, or a hand that you would lose, or a a leg that you would lose. Those those are members of your body, all right? So, to remember gives us the imagery that there is something that should be attached and should be affecting my life because it's not. It it has been detached or demembered in order to retach in order to remember, that must take place or it will not help me. Now, the truth is you can't remember what you don't know. That's why repetition is key in the rope. Because repetition gives you something that allows you to see the next piece of the rope, which is to remember, but the point is you gotta take that truth and you gotta attach it to the present. I I think a great example of this is Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight is the story where Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Remember that story? And all of a sudden there is a storm and the disciples are freaking out right? They come to Jesus and they're saying, master, don't you care that we are about to die? You know what that was? Questioning goodness. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're about to die? The Bible says that Jesus quiets the storm and then he turns to them and he asks this question, where is your faith? I think that's an interesting way to ask it. He doesn't say you need more faith, right? So let, 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 let's, let's pray that you have more faith. That's, that's not what he asked. I, I think what Jesus is saying to them here, you already know that I'm not like anybody you've ever met. And you've already seen the power that I have. You've already seen the miracles that I have done. In other words, you got faith, but that faith is disconnected from where you are in the storm. You are not remembering. Remembering isn't just knowing something about Jesus, it is reconnecting that which you know about Jesus to remember it. You connect it to what you are experiencing now. Jesus wanted them to remember him to the boat. Choosing joy says, instead of looking at the storm, instead of looking at the waves, instead of staring at the circumstances, I'm going back to the gospel, the good news of a Jesus who died and rose for me, and I'm gonna connect that real time to what's happening to me right now. That's repeating. And that's remembering and then there's one more step in the rope and that's rejoicing. Now I don't want you to miss this. In Habakkuk chapter 3 just before the verses that we read about no figs, no olives, no cattle, just before that. You read it for yourself. Habakkuk is shaking it it says he's trembling why cuz he can see what's coming my point is in that trembling in that shaking there is joy see i think most people have a misconception that you either have sorrow or you have joy. It's one or the other. And we almost throw stones at people if there is a sorrow. Because if there's sorrow, well, you're not focused on joy. Because if you got joy, then there won't be sorrow. And I'm telling you, that is false. That is not the picture that the Bible paints. From Habakkuk all the way to the Apostle Paul. It's not the picture. It's the picture of joy in sorrow rejoicing in shaking right it's like what a what a cold day will do to make you to make you more aware of the heat of a fire right sorrow actually drives you more into god rejoicing is to treasure rejoicing is to savor Rejoicing is to center your heart on something that then when you are shaken, it spills out. I describe it this way. It's the old it's the old picture of if I have a, a cup filled with coffee and someone bumps my arm. It would be weird if orange juice spilled out. No, you spill what's in the cup. And so the picture that Habakkuk gives us is, he's shaking. But what spills out? rejoicing as he trembles what pours out it's what's in the cup it's joy when he says i'm choosing joy this is this doesn't mean that that just in this moment that's horrible habakkuk just decides well i'm gonna say words of praise anyway right? I, I'm just going to say the right thing anyway. I'm going to put a smile on my face and, and, and make this look okay. And that's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is because of what my heart treasures, because of what my heart values, because of what my heart praises every day, because of what I focus on, then when this world shakes me, what spills out is joy. And come on, what we now have as followers of Jesus, what we get to focus on compared to what Habakkuk had in his day, he had to look back to the Exodus for the story of God's salvation. We get to look to a cross. There's an interesting perspective on this rejoicing that Jesus gives us the day that he sends out his disciples, it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke. He sends them out and he gives them the power to heal and the power to cast out demons. Now, come on, you know when that conversation was happening. Like Jesus is telling them this is what's going to happen, and they're like, "Uh, I don't know, right? Casting out demons, seriously? I mean, we've seen Jesus do it, but he sends them out, and the Bible says they come back to Jesus, and they are fired up. They're like, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. I mean, they are pumped because they have accomplished great things. And I want you to listen to what Jesus taught them About rejoicing. Luke chapter 10, verse 20, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What's he saying? Do not rejoice because of your successes. Rejoice because your names are engraved in heaven. Now back in that day, it would be very similar to what it means for us today. We got this image. Anytime your name is engraved on something, that's typically something you like uh, your name engraved on a statue, your name engraved on a trophy, your name engraved on a plaque, right? What does that typically mean? It typically means that you accomplish something big, right? This is an award, it is a recognition, it is something, it is something significant, it is something valuable. You have done something with your life. You have done something successful. And what Jesus is saying is, don't you dare, don't you dare just look at the things that you have accomplished in this world and rejoice in those things, right? Okay, you you, you became a partner in the firm, now I'm somebody, right? right? I, I, look at the school that I got into, I am somebody. Look at the grades, right? I am somebody. Look at the money that I've made, I am somebody. I have a name. Jesus said, stop, stop rejoicing in that, stop. Stop savoring that. Stop filling up the cup with that because if you do, if that's where you put your identity and circumstances change, you'll be destroyed. If that's where you have your identity, it can all be gone in an instant. Jesus says, no, I want you to rejoice in this. Your names are already written it's past tense, as in already done. Your names are already engraved. That's the word. Your names are already in heaven. You are already accepted. You are already loved. Your place is already there. And it's not our efforts, our children, our goals, our accomplishments, our relationships. None of that earned that place for us. We did not earn our names etched in heaven. That was something only Jesus could do for us. So come on, get this. Having your name engraved in stone, that's nice. It's nice to be recognized. Having it engraved in gold, that'd be, that'd be even better. So what does it say that our names could be etched forever in the halls of heaven? Well, let's do a little repeating. Because I'm sure you remember a month ago, When I showed you the text in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16, that reads like this, God says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Remember that? Remember, it was custom in that day for maybe a slave to engrave the name of their owner, but but to have the one who 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 is over to, to engrave your name. Uh, what a statement. How much reason do we have to rejoice? I don't need my name in ink. I don't need my name in lights because my name is engraved on the palms of the one who holds the heavens and the earth. So even when the world is shaking, even when everything is crumbling, I am secure, I am Hopeful, I am joyful because I repeat and I remember and I rejoice how Jesus first chose me. So Habakkuk ends it this way in verse 19, at least for us today. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The heights back in those days was both the safest place you could be if you were running from danger, but also the most dangerous place to be because it's the heights. And one wrong step One wrong step. I mean, it it could be disaster. And so the the picture that Habakkuk gives here is he's saying, God gives stability to my feet. God is the one who who gives me the feet to walk where I need to walk, just like he had often seen the deer in those high places navigate those rocks. And, And the picture is come on, from the heights. I can see the bigger picture from the heights. I can see more than I've ever seen before. I'm not so overwhelmed by this one little snapshot of where I find myself right now in my journey. I can better see the whole spiritual landscape. And so in reality, here's the picture of what's happening. When you're following the rope, right? You're holding the rope and there's repetition, right? Repetition of the, of the, the truths of what God has given you and you take those 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 things that are repeated and you begin to remember you reattach them to where you are now that then when you are shaken it, it just overflows what's actually happening when you're following the rope is you're actually climbing what you're actually doing is you're gaining altitude where suddenly you find yourself In the heights where you can see differently than you've seen before. And the truth is, the more you realize you see now that you couldn't see before, the more you realize that there's still probably a lot you don't see. And so you come to the place in your life where you realize when I pray, and I ask God for something, sometimes he answers it differently than what I asked for. But God is good. He's always good. And I have learned that it's simply a fact that God gives me what I would have asked for If I could see Everything that he sees Because he's good it's Kind of funny Every once in a while I, I hear a question attached to COVID-19 It's like Is COVID-19 a, a sign of the apocalypse? <laughs> right? Is this the end? And my, my answer would be yes But maybe not exactly like you think because I don't, I don't think this is about zombies and all that mess, right? But I think COVID-19 is apocalyptic in the truest sense that the word apocalypse actually means unveiling. That's what it means, unveiling, revealing. And what I've become convinced of is COVID-19 has unveiled us it has unveiled our fears it has unveiled our idols it has unveiled what we actually value and what we actually trust and it has unveiled those things even for the church so come on for many of you God has been good enough to you that he has repeated his stories over and over again He has repeated those truths of how he loves you over and over again. Maybe it's time for you to remember and start to attach those truths to where you now stand. What does Christ's resurrection power over death, how does it change how you fear right now? How does the truth that God's church is so much more than a group of people huddled in a room, how does that change what we, the church, should fight for most? These are the lessons that you tend to only learn in the storm when you hold. God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for how you can take a prophet so long ago and you can record the words that so appropriately, God, stand where we need to learn how to stand today. God, I pray for your people today. God, some it's just going through. God, still this crazy season. For others, God, there are things on top of this whole COVID thing. For some, there is sickness. For some, there are relationship struggles. God, that, that, I, I get it. That There is a shaking in our lives at times. God, I pray that you would help us to take the truth that we have been, God, given today. God, the repetition, the remembering, the rejoicing that as we walk through this, what spills out causes those around us to look to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I encourage you to take in the words of the song that you're about to hear. Let it be a moment where God seals in your heart what he has spoken from his word. I love you guys. Thanks for listening today.